my name is Nicole Hendley, and I am the worship minister at Azel Christian Church. We are a Disciples of Christ church community in Azel, Texas. We invite everyone to be who you are with us, the doubting, the believing, the wondering, and everything in between. I'm joined today by our senior minister, Reverend Ashley Darguy. Hey, Ashley. Hey, good to be here. All right. I am so excited to be recording our first of many Music Monday podcasts. These Music Monday podcasts will include us talking about something music and theology related. For today's episode, we'll be talking about songs for our new worship series, Homecoming. Ashley, tell us about the vision around this worship series. The series is called Homecoming, Stories of Return, and it's a collection of stories from the Hebrew Bible and the New Testament about returning home. The series will acknowledge that returning home sometimes means making a new home, or that home is not what you remembered or hoped for. Returning home can be painful or beautiful, and sometimes it can be both. And while our sacred text is the Bible as Christians, the concept of returning home is not unique to the Bible. Return is something we are all grappling with right now in the wake of the pandemic. And we believe that our sacred scriptures can help us navigate this return in a meaningful way. Yes, and uh, songs about homecoming are also universal. So as we were looking into songs we could use for this sermon series, for this worship series, I was so surprised by just how many artists have written songs about longing for home, going home, and the importance of home. All right, let's get started. What's our first song of the series? Okay, our first song of the series is Hard Way Home by Brandy Carlisle. Brandy wrote this with Phil and Tim Hanseroth, which are twins that she sings with um, and tours with. And the three of them crafted this song, Hard Way Home. Uh, that Sunday, it's August 1st, we're going to be talking about Luke 15, 11 through 32, which is the story of the prodigal son. Um, we know the story. A man had two sons. The younger of them asked his father for the share of his property that would someday be his. So the father divided it between his two boys. The younger son takes his share and he, as the Bible says, traveled to a distant country and there he squandered his property in dissolute living. I looked up dissolute for fun. It means lacking restraint, especially marked by indulgence in things such as drinking and promiscuous sex. Okay, so basically everything we imagined. He hits rock bottom and when he's hired to feed someone's pigs and realizes as he's about to fill himself with pig food that even those who work for his father have more than enough to eat. And in a scene that makes me teary every time I imagine it, the son returns home and says, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. The father brings out a rope, puts a ring on his son's finger, sandals on his son's dirty pig feeding feet and says, let us eat and celebrate. The son of mine was dead and is alive again. Cue the tears. Okay, so Brandy, a little background. Columbia Records signed her in 2004. She has recorded all sorts of genres of music, but her country draw is consistent throughout. She's the author of her new book, Broken Horses. I finished it today. I cannot recommend it highly enough. She's been nominated for and won several Grammys. Um, Hardway Home is on her Bear Creek album. And uh, Bear Creek is important to this story because Bear Creek is the studio that they recorded this album in. It's this amazing little haven in Washington State. Looks like an old barn from the outside, and the inside is this homey, wonderful space with lofted ceilings and twinkle lights just to set the stage for you. Um, 
In an interview in 2011, Brandy said about this place, Bear Creek is a place in Washington State, and it's pretty reminiscent of where the three of us all live, me, Tim, and Phil. A place called Maple Valley. And we live there, farm style, you know, on all this acreage. And this place is really similar. So I think it's fun that Brandy recorded this song on this album in a place that felt like home to her. Uh, So let's jump into some of these lyrics of Hard Way Home. Uh, The chorus says this, Oh, I'll follow my tracks. See all the times I should have turned back. Oh, I wept alone. I know what it means to be on my own. Oh, the things I've known. Looks like I'm taking the hard way home. Oh, the seeds I've sown. I'm taking the hard way home. I think about this prodigal son character considering his journey after the money's been spent, the good times have been had, and how he is in relationship to himself. Thinking through his own journey, what he'd experienced, I imagine he could have said about himself that he was indeed taking the hard way home. Later in the song, it says, I never did learn how to follow the rules. I never was good at sleeping when the moon was full. I sometimes wish I could start again. I'd try to do the right thing every now and then. I'd step in line. That's what I'd do if I could turn back time. Have we not all said something like this? Sometimes I wish I could start again. I'd step in line. I'd do that if I could turn back time. The song is written from the perspective of someone who understands that they could have done things differently. Owning their decisions and seeing things clearly in hindsight, which is a pivotal part of the prodigal son story. There is no story here without this prodigal son recognizing that he's messed up, which is what the song's about, and then returning to the home that's waiting for him. Okay, Ashley, let's talk about August 8th. So our next song is Wayfaring Stranger. And our text for that day is Luke 4, 14 through 30. So Jesus returns home to Galilee and reads a scroll in the synagogue, specifically Isaiah 61, which is the famous text. The spirit of the Lord has anointed me to preach good news, free the captives, give sight to the blind, and proclaim the Lord's favor. And the guys in the synagogue, because they're all guys, at first are like, Aw, he is so cute. Look how grown up Jesus is. And then Jesus tells the story of the prophets, Elijah and Elisha in Israel, going home and finding a faithless and disobedient Israel. And the vibe quickly changes in the synagogue. They do not like what Jesus is insinuating, so they very dramatically chase after him and try to kill him. And Jesus gets away. He somehow slips through the angry crowd, which is kind of awesome. And we realize that perhaps Galilee is not Jesus's home anymore. So the song we chose is Wayfaring Stranger, and we don't know who wrote it or where it came from. And some historians think it comes from all the way back in the 1780s. Some think it was a black spiritual remade or a native hymn or an Appalachian folk song, but it blew up in Appalachian revivals and from there spread westward and it's haunted our American song catalog for two centuries, which is wild to me. It's a gospel folk song about a person who is thinking about better times in the afterlife in the midst of a life of hardship. And I kind of love that we don't know where it came from because I feel like that's true to the song, that it just kind of seeped into our collective consciousness at some point. And lots of people have covered it. It's kind of like Leonard Cohen's Hallelujah. It's a rite of passage song for a certain genre of artist, especially like country or Americana. And to me, Wayfaring Stranger has a cloud of witnesses vibe. There's this mystical aura about it. It's about the afterlife and facing death. So when someone covers it, 
It's like they're adding their own witness to this communion of saints, a communion of wayfaring strangers, if you will. So we were inspired by Johnny Cash's cover from his album in 2000. Lots of people have covered it. You know, Emmy Lou Harris did it, and most recently Ed Sheeran did it. And while his version is very cool musically, Johnny Cash truly embodies the heart of this song. Of course, the man in black who mixed murder ballads with hymns of faith is the one who can plant the longing he feels right into our hearts when he sings this song. And Roseanne Cash said of her father, his heart was so expansive and his mind so finely tuned that he could contain both darkness and light, love and trouble, fear and faith, wholeness and shatteredness, old school and postmodern, the sacred and the silly, God and the void. He was a Baptist with the soul of a mystic. He was a poet who worked in the dirt. He was an enlightened being who was racked with the suffering of addiction and grief. And this crossing of thresholds and the ability to hold multiple truths at the same time is very Christ-like. You know, of course, Johnny Cash famously struggled with addiction and was riddled with guilt in his life. But for me, I think that it makes it even more believable and compelling when he does sing about faith. And Bono said of Cash, Johnny Cash doesn't sing to the damned, he sings with the damned. And sometimes you feel he might prefer their company. And we get that sense from Jesus in this text, that he is going to find a home not in the religious spaces, but with those barred from the religious spaces. And I want to end this conversation on Wayfaring Stranger with a line from the song that captures Jesus's journey so well. I know my way is hard and steep, but beauteous fields arise before me where God's redeemed their vigils keep. So our next song for the series is Crowded Table by the High Women. And our text for that day is Acts 16, 6 through 15. And in this scripture, Paul and Timothy are out doing their mission work, and they come to Macedonia. And they look everywhere for a synagogue, which is Paul's MO for talking about Jesus, finding the group of religious men. And instead, they walk up to a river and find a group of women praying, including our gal, Lydia. After hearing Paul speak, Lydia decides to get her and her household all baptized, and then invites everyone back to her house for tuna casserole. The text literally says she prevailed upon us, which means Lydia is a church lady who won't take no for an answer. We love those ladies. We aspire to be these ladies. So this story is about returning home with extra people. And the song we chose for this text is Crowded Table by the High Women, released in July 2019 by a group who calls themselves the High Women, Natalie Hemby, Amanda Shires, Maren Morris, and our beloved Brandi Carlisle. And their group name and eponymous song pay homage to the high women made up of Waylon Jennings, Willie Nelson, Chris Christopherson, and of course, Johnny Cash. I'm noticing a thread here in our song choices. And the song is all about gathering around a table. As the bridge says, the door is always open, your picture's on my wall. Everyone's a little broken and everyone belongs. I mean, that's gospel right there. When this song came out, I think pretty much every pastor I knew was like, oh my gosh, our new communion hymn. I mean, Nicole, you played it at my ordination service. It's a crossover hit, a cult classic, and it's going up there with Wayfaring Stranger for sure. The group, the high women, was Amanda Shire's brainchild because she saw a severe lack of representation of women in country music. 
So she banded together this little collective that cycles a lot of big names through, such as Mavis Staples and Cheryl Crow. And Brandy writes in her book, Broken Horses, that when they were assembling the permanent group and talking with every female artist they loved about it, she knew that even if these people weren't part of the actual group, they were high women. Which I think is a really great sentiment for what Lydia does in the story. She's the star, and she's no rabbi or good Jewish man, but she's a gal who loves to pray by the river and have people over at her house. She doesn't really care about labels or etiquette. When Rolling Stone interviewed Brandi Carlisle in 2020, they asked her specifically about the song Crowded Table. And they asked her if the meaning of the song had changed for her with the racial unrest and the pandemic and everything that 2020 held. And she said, It's important not to confuse inclusivity with colorblindness or the abandonment of labels, which could also be seen as disenfranchisement. I love the concept of a crowded table, but that crowded table is very much about bringing all kinds of people together because of their differences, because we see each other's plight, because we see each other's struggle, not because we're ignoring it. We love them and we want to support one another. And I would never want to see that song or sentiment get whitewashed or put into a broad sense because actually it's a radical concept. I mean, I don't know how to not gush about this song or about the vision it projects. This is just a crowded table appreciation post. Sorry, not sorry. It's just so sacramental and it embodies the long, long table of Christ where everyone has a place. And the point is to return to that table with more and more people Trusting in the promise of the table, bringing us all together, not to make us all the same or to ignore the very real issues between us, but to say that we are all loved the same and thus need to figure out how to live into the vision of the reign of God that Jesus embodies, the vision that Paul preaches and the vision that Lydia invites people to at her own kitchen table. Thank you, Ashley. Okay, the next Sunday we're talking about is August 22nd, and we are singing Take Me Home country roads. Before we get into the song, let's talk about our text, which is Ezra 1. The book of Ezra provides an account of the Jewish people's regathering, of their struggle to survive and to rebuild what has been destroyed. Through reading, we witness the rebuilding of the new temple, the unification of the returning tribes as they share common struggles and they're challenged to work together. The book begins in chapter 1, with King Cyrus of Persia declaring that, and I quote, The Lord, the God of heaven, has given me all the kingdoms of the earth, and he has charged me to build him a house at Jerusalem in Judah. We read in chapter 1 about how King Cyrus permits everyone who would like to, to go up to Jerusalem and rebuild the temple. With them, he is sending silver, gold, goods, animals, and other various things to help them in their journey. He even makes a point to gather and send all of the items Nebuchadnezzar took from the Jewish people and placed in the houses of his gods. So here we are. Those who had been exiles are being given the chance to return home. Interesting to note, many of those returning home had never been to Jerusalem before. This idea of home is greater than a physical place. The idea of building a temple is more expansive and meaningful than simply construction. It's a reclaiming of identity, a remembering. So what in the world does this have to do with John Denver and Country Roads? I'll tell you in a moment. But first, let me talk about the background of this song that was so surprising to me. Bill Danoff and his wife, Taffy Nivert wrote this song with help 
from John Denver. News to me. Nivert and Danoff were driving down old country roads in Montgomery County, Maryland. This one particular road was called Clopper Road. And they were going to visit some family. Danoff started singing about the winding roads they were driving down. And it began to have a ring to it. So Danoff, interestingly, grew up in Massachusetts. He had actually never been to West Virginia in his life when he wrote the song. But West Virginia had more of a ring to it than Massachusetts did. The story goes that Danoff and Nivert performed with Denver at a club in D.C. called The Cellar Door. One night after a show, the three of them went to go have a jam fest. The couple had originally wanted to sell this song to our favorite, Johnny Cash, but they played it for Denver. He absolutely loved it, and the trio stayed up all night changing the lyrics and creating the song that we love so much. If you're wondering if Danoff and Nivert are salty that Denver has gotten all the attention for this song, think again. They've always spoken highly of John Denver and maintained a close friendship with him over the years. And if you're wondering who in the world these people are, they later formed Starland Vocal Band, known for the 1976 hit Afternoon Delight, made popular in my lifetime by the movie Anchorman with Will Ferrell. Okay, moving on. So, John Denver... Um, Many would consider Denver to have had a certain unmistakable theology that was present in countless songs. The way he sang about nature and the world um, and his view of home seems to point to a spirituality that just informed his artistry. In the book, Talk to God and Listen to the Casual Reply, Father Mark G. Boyer writes about Denver saying, Through the lyrics of his songs, Denver revealed his spirituality, that invisible force which motivated or inspired his personal spirit and gave insight and meaning to what he did and why he did it. Spirituality for Denver was that energy which filled the sails of his soul and propelled him throughout his life. I think about Ezra 1 and the Jewish people yearning for home and many of them never even having been there themselves yearning for a place, a feeling, a belonging that is more than a physical location. This song puts music and words to that yearning. We all have a place in our hearts that is labeled home, and it is so much more than a particular town or house. It's comfort and smiles and history and traditions and meaning. I think about the older people in this community that had been in exile. They've passed down stories of home. They've said in their own words something like this first verse, almost heaven, West Virginia, Blue Ridge Mountains, do you see them? Shenandoah River. Life is old there, older than the trees, younger than the mountains growing like a breeze. That first verse just feels like oral tradition to me, okay? And then we know the chorus, obviously, but I want to go to the bridge that says, I hear her voice in the morning hour she calls me. The radio reminds me of my home far away. Driving down the road, I got a feeling that I should have been home yesterday. Yesterday. This longing for home feels also a bit like regret. I should have been home yesterday. And if that isn't the story of Ezra 1, thankful that we're on our way back. But oh, the grief we have feeling like we should have been there already. So our final song for August is River by Leon Bridges. And our text for that day is Luke 17, 11 through 19. 
Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem when he encounters 10 lepers. They all ask for mercy and he heals them and sends them on their way to the priest so they could rejoin society. But only one returns to Jesus to say thank you, and it's a Samaritan. And we know from other famous Bible stories with Samaritans, such as the Good Samaritan and the Samaritan woman at the well, that they're constantly surprising us with their faith, even though back in the day they were considered not really Jewish. And when the Samaritan leper returns, Jesus is like, hello, where are the other nine? You know what? Whatever. No worries. Go on your way. Your faith has made you well. It's a twist on the return motif we've got going on in this series because it doesn't explicitly say that this man is going home, but he does return to Jesus on his way to wherever he's going. And I think that's an important detail to our own journeys, to return to the source of our faith, to remember our baptism, as we say a lot at Azel. The song we chose for this scripture is River by Leon Bridges. So Leon Bridges was born in Atlanta, but he grew up in Fort Worth, so we love him around here. He was named the 2021 Texas Musician by Texas Monthly. River is the final track of Bridges' first album, Coming Home, and it appears on the show Big Little Lies. And it's particularly noteworthy because of the music video, which released in the wake of the Baltimore protests that followed Freddie Gray's funeral. If you remember, Freddie Gray was a black man arrested, and he died en route suspiciously. And it came out later that most likely the white police officers used excessive force, which caused his death. So the music video for River has Bridges and Brittany Jesse, who lends vocals to this track, sitting in a motel room, singing, with protest coverage on the motel TV. And in each scene of the video, there are vignettes of different black families going about their lives, with the coverage of the protests playing in the background. And in one breathtaking scene, a black man comes to his room with blood on his white shirt, and he takes it off and collapses onto a mattress on the floor in exhaustion, his face contorted with weariness. And then a little boy, presumably his son, crawls up into his arms and they snuggle. And the juxtaposition of this incredible pain with this moment of tenderness is so poignant. And this song pairs well with the story about the ten lepers because to the untrained eye, this Bible story about the one leper returning seems to be a simple lesson of gratitude. But if you know a little context and history about Samaritans and religious conflict, then you realize that this is a story about justice and inclusion, an affirmation of a person whose people is typically othered and even demonized which translates, sadly, really smoothly into the racial realities of the U.S. Who gets it, the story asks. The one called other. Whoever that other is in our context. And if we think about this song in a spiritual sense, it calls us to remember our baptism. To return to the one who was othered and ultimately killed by the state and the very religious people. Take me to your river, the song sings. Wash my sins away. In this case, the sins of exclusion, of prejudice, of ignorance. This story and this song calls out to us, return to your baptism over and over and over. Ashley, this has been such a meaningful experience. I'm so excited about this worship series Listener, join us again for our next Music Monday podcast. It's going to drop the first Monday in September. 
And now, Ashley, will you close us out? At our church, we end each service with a benediction, a blessing as we part ways. And we end today with a blessing as well. I invite you to stretch out your hands with palms faced upward or place them over your heart in a posture of devotion. Receive now this benediction. May the God of all our journeys, the path of the wayfaring strangers and the country roads of those heading home, bring us round once again around the long, long crowded table of our Lord. Even when we take the hard way home, even when we make a stop at the river on our return, may we find in Christ a home where the door is always open and everyone belongs. Amen. Go in peace.